they now, instead of having their purposes, I got to get a job and stay out of prison and stay safe. Now their purpose is I'm going to get a job because that job is now my mission field. I've been trained inside a prison to make disciples, to obey the great commission and the great commandments. And Jesus is the center of everything they do when they get out. Welcome to the CDM podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple-makers. Hi, I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can download the CDM app and listen to it right there as well. Just search for Contagious Disciple Making on either the Apple or the Google stores. And we want to invite you to come grow or join a growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos. Um, so that you can know how to better make disciples in your life and community. While you're there, you can support this podcast by just following the link to our Patreon account. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers just like you as you work together to transform your communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making in difficult situations. So, well, as many of you guys know, um, I grew up on the mission field. In fact, my parents were one of the first missionary families assigned by the Southern Baptists to work with an unreached people group. And they were assigned the Bhojpuri of Northern India. And I got a chance to watch my dad learn and grow and everything as he tried to reach that people group. And ultimately, his work and the things that God was teaching him would result in what's now called a disciple-making movement, resulted in 80,000 new church plants and over 2 million baptisms in an 18-year period. Later on in life, when I became an adult, uh, God called me into the ministry and I worked alongside my dad and uh, would even fly out by myself and train different groups of people who wanted to see disciple making movements right where they were as well. And now there are disciple making movements all throughout the globe among some of the hardest to reach peoples out there. In fact, early in working together, my dad and I were able to train a team in Honduras that uh, currently, years, years later, and through a lot of hard work on their own, they've been able to start a disciple-making movement that is uh, currently 39 generations deep and is baptizing an average of 27 people per day. And that's pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. And and so what that did is when I came back to the United States. Uh, God began tugging on my heart and he said, hey, Paul, why don't you do that here? Why don't you take what I learned, what I taught you about reaching hard to reach peoples overseas and apply that right here? And that's that's where we started Contagious Disciple Making was from that idea of there are hard to reach peoples right here in the United States because the chasm between our church and our culture just keeps growing wider and wider. And they need to be approached a little bit differently so that they have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. I know a few years later after CDM started, you know, I came on to the scene and, you know, one of the things that uh, Paul and I would do all the time was um, trying to help really people around the world, but also here in the United States, try to figure out how to do disciple making here in the United States. And again, when we say disciple making, of course, we're talking about using the disciple making movement methods. And, you know, I, and so we're, we're, we're helping them where every, 
day, every week, we're recalling and coaching people, walking alongside them, side them, helping them know how to be able to engage where they are, and you know, trying to say also, um, how does this fit within our American context? How do we grow the kingdom alongside of this? And and I can tell you that as a person who's been a part of Christian ministry for a while. It grew up in it and everything. You know, we see that Paul just mentioned chasms earlier. There are chasms that are just building between the church community and the rest of our culture. And there are fewer and fewer people who would, you know, who would even consider going to a church or, you know, going into a Christian bookstore or anything like that in order to be able to to seek spirituality or deep questions in life or anything like that to just start whether it's direct hostility or previous uh you know prejudices or anything or maybe it's just it's so foreign to them in their culture that they just don't do that and and there are different pockets of people that are worse than others i know that uh, as it, you know, I go into different areas of our cities. I live in the Bible Belt, and I go around different city parts of my city. And there's these people that flood in our mall, in my malls, and downtowns, and you know, other areas that I drive by in the city. That I just look at them, and I'm like, those are clearly people that have no understanding of God, or or, or has any kind of real connection to their life. And how do they get so isolated from us? And um. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but we started uh, some of our work led us to a particular uh, group of people that are one of these people that are really separated from our church community. And those are the communities that are affected by crime and incarceration. So, you know, again, we all think about it, you know, picture in your mind those parts of your city that you drive by or you walk through and you're like, wow, this is really broken down. I feel a little, it feels a little dangerous in here, or this is obviously affected by some poverty or, you know, and you just have this feeling of like, you know, how could, what do we do about this? And, you know, like I said, I feel like a lot of our Christian attempts to be able to do that, our church attempts has not really been able to affect it all that much because of that cultural chasm between us. You know, we don't have that connection with people like we would need in order to be able to to make a real difference most of the time. And so what do we do about it? And so this is what so this particular program start and process that we started developed allows us to be able to start handling that because we we see that, you know, crime and brokenness is increasing inside of America as as our schools and as our nation is and everything is taking God out of the picture it's only increasing the 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 hold that crime and bro- this brokenness has and also um the idea of incarceration along that that separates families uh even further so there's fatherlessness and often what we now call generational incarceration. So in other words, you know, the likelihood of the kids of those who are incarcerated to also, you know, commit crimes and be incarcerated too is, is, is much more likely. And we know that in our, our culture, that there's a lot of issues that naturally outplay outside, you know, when there's fatherlessness 
In fact, to the point that what we've learned is that um, a, a, a saddening statistic is that the, the amount of people that leave the prison and then go back within the first three years. So in other words, they reoffend, they go out and they go back to their lives as they were. And then so therefore they're sent back. They call that recidivism. That that is over 70% on average nationwide. So 70% of the people that are in our prisons will return. And then there's the generational incarceration. So we can see how these broken communities are just this, it's just this hole. And how can we be able to help bring people out of this pit and to make the difference? And so this is where we started coming up with this uh, freedom initiative that we have. Yeah, the the freedom initiative, it got born out of conversations that we had while we were coaching Jack McCarty, who is a prison chaplain down at a maximum security prison in Texas. And we began to talk about how to apply disciple making movement principles right there inside that prison. And uh, we we worked through a lot of things, mobilized prayer. The community came around Jack. We, we troubleshooted things that he came up with. And right before COVID, we had over 300 men in discovery Bible studies throughout the prison that went about five five generations deep. I think there was like 37 Discovery Bible studies uh, that were going on at the time. So that was over 300 men in participating in those um, Bible studies as well. Yeah. So that was happening uh, before COVID. But then even as we found out as we go through COVID that they were continuing uh, many of them in those Discovery Bible studies. And we had some exciting results afterwards uh, as well. Yeah, as the Texas Department of Criminal Justice transferred people because of staffing shortages and other things, um, the leaders that we trained inside the Clements unit there in Amarillo were transferred to other prisons. And they continued. We, we ended up getting letters from them. Jack got letters from them, letting us know that they continued to start Discovery Bible studies in those new prisons. So now there's five total prisons in Texas that we know that there are leaders in who are starting Discovery Bible studies. And in two instances that some of the participants of those Discovery Bible studies are using their phone privileges to tell the Bible stories they hearing with family and friends outside of the prison. And I, I just think that's really cool. And so the idea here is, we're, as we were talking with Jack about all of that, is that how do we take that process of helping prisoners fall in love with Jesus, of applying movement principles in there, and we and we take that and, and we disciple them in such a way that when they leave prison, they now, instead of having their purposes, I got to get a job and stay out of prison and stay safe, now their purpose is I'm going to get a job because that job is now my mission field. And I'm going to I've been trained inside a prison to go into the community in order to uh, to make disciples. And so now their purpose is to obey the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. And, and Jesus is the center of everything they do when they get out. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, so we'll we'll detail to you a lot of this what what this is all about here, the process of it. But the overall goal of what we're trying to do is is look at this as a whole problem. There's this community and and incarceration and people who are involved in it. How can we reach them in such a way that they're not at some it's not just some of them come to know Jesus, but them as a community come to know Jesus. And also through that process, they're being served and helped and brought up from the brokenness that they're experiencing because of all these issues. 
as well as helping to um, correct any kind of system or injustices that kind of keep them locked, that kind of perpetuate and and lock them even harder in these processes. And so we're, we're creating a holistic process from within prison to outside the prison, creating partnerships amongst various different uh, organizations and ministries and everything to be and and churches to be able to do this particular process. And this is a part of what we like to call now missional disciple making. And so it combines disciple making along with serving needs and changing the systems of what we are seeing are broken within our culture in order to be able to partner together to transform a community and thus our cities together. So it's it's looking at it in all its different facets. You know, one of the things that additionally that makes this very unique is that we're looking to, as part of disciple making, to empower prisoners to reach each other and to reach their communities. So in other words, we're not just going to be having them focus on us as being only the people who are engaging are so having someone come in and their goal is to empower christian prisoners to be able to reach other prisoners and the communities as they're being released which again is part of what makes us unique so let's just go ahead and just start talking about the process paul and so we can get into the meat of this so first off is the inside yeah, and I just described it to you a little while ago. The idea there is that we would send um, these these mentors in that are people like you and me who volunteered to go inside the prison, who partner then with uh, people inside the prison, could be a member of like a organization like Prison Fellowship or Kairos, or it could be the chaplain of the prison or something like that, to identify in inmates who to be leaders that we could then train in disciple-making movement principles. And those inmates would form a disciple-making team right there on the inside of the prison. And that then they would then be responsible for going back into the various, you know, you know, cells and pods and day rooms and things like that, engaging people in meaningful conversations in meaningful ways. That still happens in prison, guys. I'm just telling you, they engage them in conversations and then through that invite them any friends or relationships they might have into a discovery Bible study, just like we do on the outside and help them fall in love with Jesus. And as of course, as part of the discovery Bible study process, they're obeying the passages, they're sharing what the, what um, the story is with other people. Sometimes they'll even share that on the outside, like I mentioned before, and we start to see that transformation happen. And so that's the process that that of everything as, as they fall in love with Jesus, then they're baptized and everything inside of Clements. We ended up having, I think it was more than 20 guys baptized. And the fun thing was, is when Jack told me, he says, Paul, I don't baptize any of them. I let them baptize each other. And I was like, yes, that's exactly the way that it should be. And, uh, and so they, they end up, uh, doing all of that. And so that's, that's something that's the inside part of what we're talking about. And I just want you to imagine right now, uh, again, if those of you are not as familiar, Discovery Bible study, where they sit down with each other, they read a passage, and they ask themselves simple questions. What does it say about God? What does it say about man? If this were true, how should I change? In other words, what are they going to do about it? And then who who do I share the story with? And so I want you to imagine little groups of, of men all throughout a prison in various cells, in the yard, and all everywhere meeting together 
and doing these kind of studies. And then they go out there and they obey and they tell stories to other men, which start another discovery group uh, of those things. So that's when we say multiplying to the fifth generation and there's 37 groups, I want you to think about it and try to picture it, but like that. Now, um, guys, I just said one other thing about the inside that's really cool that we have with the Freedom Initiative is the pray with prisoners um, process that we have. And um, this is really exciting. Uh, We are connecting the inside leaders, these inside Christian men and women to people on the inside in a very real partnership of prayer for our cities. So the idea is how can we as Christian believers and workers on the inside uh, connect with and pray with prisoners on the inside to about our cities and for the, the transformation of our communities. And so we have a process in which we send back and forth through, you know, just written prayers and prayer requests back and forth between the prisoners on the inside and people on the inside whether it's pastors or laymen or missionaries from different countries or whatever, we're, we're passing not, not just like, hey, will you pray for me on this, but little literally writing out prayers for each other and that happening on a weekly process, passing them back and forth. And, um, and then additionally, we, there's a podcast that we're going to be working with. This is called the Remember the Prisoner podcast. And each week there's going to be a a 30-minute a podcast. You'll be able to, to see it on this app as well. A 30-minute podcast about um, prayer. And what we'll be have on there is our different prayer partners come in and read some selected prayer requests and prayers from various different uh, people to give some encouragement to the prisoners. And we have been told how encouraging it is for men and women on the inside to hear their names, to hear people praying for them and talking about them. Because one of the biggest needs in a prisoner's heart is to not be forgotten. And so, you know, them realizing that they're a part of this overall effort to be able to to transform the city, not just in theory, but they're actually interacting with people is so encouraging to them. And so we we imagine that the, the prisons will not just be places of incarceration, but in pra- places of prayer and disciple making, because we're empowering the, the prisoners to be able to be to be these things. So now that's the inside process. Now there's the outside process. And a lot of times the term is called re-entry. In other words, when they re-enter society, when they re-enter the outside. And so we're going to actually have a, a process that connects the two together and continues on afterward. Yeah. So what ends up happening is we identify a couple more people that serve as outside mentors. And the reason we do two is we want one of the the people to be uh, someone who's never been incarcerated and the other one to be someone who has been incarcerated because both of them have perspectives and experience that will help someone who's coming out of prison on parole be able to reintegrate into society. And so the idea is that those two those two mentors, they when we find out that there is a uh, 
believer who is going to be, you know, going out on parole. The disciple making team on the inside identifies them and recommends them into the program. They're assigned these mentors. Those mentors go in and begin meeting with them, trying to figure out, you know, learn their story and build connection. And then when the day that that prisoner is released, they're there waiting for him as they come as he comes out of prison. And then they begin the process of taking him to get what he needs, whether it's a birth certificate or a social security card or clothes or connecting him with with a house or with uh, or with, you know, or some kind of some kind of housing or even transportation. Those are all things. And the beautiful thing is, is that we don't have to come up with all of those things on our own. See, God has already placed men and women who started these ministries and, and reentry services and things like that in the community. And so the mentors, they know which what those services are, and they begin to take that prisoner through that. It's like they have the map. They're the guides walking alongside the prisoner. So the prisoner never has to be alone in the process, and he doesn't have to figure it out himself. So here, can you imagine this? Imagine a guy like just, you know, He's been in prison 19 years. The world is completely different than it was when he left. And he hasn't driven a car in 19 years. Cell phones may have come out, depending on when he went in. Cell phones may have come out during that time. I mean, all sorts of stuff, right, that he has to figure out at, even as he's trying to get the things to make, to, to, to survive and everything. And even just guys realize that most people, when they leave prison, it's not that they have a welcoming committee on the outside helping them be able to know there's a lot of times they're just dumped, you know, off and they don't have, they don't have transportation. They don't have clothes. They don't have food. They don't have a place to stay. They have nothing. All they have is a demand to show up to their parole officer later on. And yeah. so, you know, the reality is, is that, that, that pressure often causes these men and women to return to their, their former lifestyle because that's just, okay, I need to get something to help myself. Uh, well, this is what I did before. And that's where, and that's what they go off and they do. So having, having help there at the very beginning is crucial to making, to, to making sure Satan doesn't tempt people <laughs> to go right back to their former lives. So as Paul says, our, our mentors will be equipped to have that information. And that's what the Freedom Initiative does. The Freedom Initiative actually creates that map. We create those partnerships amongst the different um the, the different services. And if need be, to improve upon that or to create a larger system that can help more people. So in fact, uh we we uh create a team of people on the outside to do this. First off, a what what is what we call a a local advisory board. So these would be people from all around the community that have a passion and influence to be able to do this. Um, you know, whether it's from people from the governmental sector, like judges or people from, uh, you know, the nonprofit sector, people who might have connections with, with housing or with homeless shelters or with food uh, uh, services or whatever, uh, uh, or people who have connections within churches, you know, and so all these various people from around cut, you know, we have a, a select crew that come together and say, we're going to be able to create the, uh, in connection with the Freedom Initiative strate strategic team to come up together with this map of services and this process for services for these men and women as they come out. And through that, 
we'll be able to create a system that can really be able to help. And and also just to mention in this, like we said earlier, changing the system to make sure that there we have good standing with the governmental agencies that make sure that we have that our laws are going to be able to help facilitate uh, this this uh, kind of uh, restorative process and nothing is getting in the way of that. If there are any injustices or problems, you know, we're addressing those together as a community. So they're looking at those things together. And of course, they're raising prayer. They're, they're, they're getting more and more people to pray along with our prisoners and parolees for this whole process. So they're coming up with this entire system and this map. And in fact, we're going to be, at, you know, um, we have an app to be able to support these particular men and women who are mentoring that each time they meet with their um, men and women that they're they're serving, that they're able to to not only look at the resources available, but they also will be able to to send in a report about each time they come in, how they're growing, how they're doing, and we work uh, weekly alongside these mentors to make sure that there's progress and help along the way, and helping to equip people to know exactly how to disciple these people in order to not just, again, survive and stay out of trouble, but actually reach their communities, become, you know, get people who give back to the community. And hopefully as their families are being healed and things are getting, are improving and healing and they're, they become not just respectable members of the community, but actually changers of the community um, and and uh, I, I just look at how this can affect the next generation. If we reintegrate and and reestablish working families now, who be- where the parents believe in Jesus, how that's going to change the future of those children and, and the system to where now, as they grow up, how many of those kids, instead of becoming criminals, how many of them will become teachers and 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 doctors and uh, mothers and fathers of of other generations that have are even more so maybe missionaries to other lands. I mean, you know, we, you know, we don't know the possibilities when we're looking to seek it to, to do this as a whole. And so again, it's that mentoring process that's really going to connect this alongside of the services that's going to make that difference. So how can you be able to be a part of all this? What are some of the the team members? So we have teammates and we have partners. Uh, so the the teammates that we have, first off, there are various different kinds of mentors that you can be. Of course, there, there's something we call a core team member, which are people who take ownership of a prison or, or jail and the whole system. But even within that, there are various different kinds of mentors. Yeah, we have mentors that go inside the prison and their job is to work with those disciple makers or inside leaders, you know, the prisoners who want to be disciple makers uh, to help them uh, begin to facilitate discovery Bible studies. We've got two, uh, Tom and Tim, that are going into the Clements unit in Amarillo right now. And we have Aaron and we have Fred who are going inside the Donovan unit in San Diego right now. And their job is to identify those those leaders inside and begin to equip them in disciple making movement principles. 
so that they can, those leaders can in turn start discovery Bible studies in places where you and I or Fred or, or Aaron or, or Tom and Tim can't go uh, just because, you know, we don't have access to the entire prison and, and everything. And so, so we have people like that. We also have uh, outside mentors, like I mentioned, you know, guys like uh, Pat, uh, who is a retired judge in inside of uh, inside of Amarillo and who goes in, he's an assigned a guy. And then when that guy comes out, he meets, he's there to meet him. He's there to help him. He's there to talk with him and be and to help him connect to the re-entry services. But the other thing is, is that we also need re-entry volunteers uh, because sometimes, you know, the guy's like, I need to run to Walmart and he doesn't have a car yet or a driver's license yet or anything like that. And so we need somebody who'd raise their hand saying, you know, I can volunteer once a month or once a week or whatever and drive a guy to Walmart. I can take him to the DMV. I can uh, I can go and take him to the grocery store if they need some additional groceries or maybe to work until they've earned enough where they can end up being able to get a car. And so so those are the kind of things that reentry volunteers can do and, and be able to help people with. And, you know, something that I, I realized that we didn't get to say is that we're doing, we're building these processes locally, like in cities and things like that, but we're also connecting it as an overall team across land masses. So we actively build communities, These our teammates are connected through regular meetings, through prayer, through strategy and everything together. And how this really practically can work is, for instance, with mentors and being a phone mentor. You know, uh, if someone started working, let's just say in a jail and one particular part of the country, but they don't have a lot of teammates yet, if they need somebody to help with, hey, I I have someone on the inside that I've, you know, really helped, but now they're going on the outside and need someone to be able to disciple them, then we can be able to have someone perhaps even from a different state to call that uh, particular person and and disciple them over the phone. Uh, these particular issues. So, and and so, in other words, we're actively able to help each other across uh, at land masses to accomplish the same goal when it comes to this. So, absolutely, you know, the mentors is is the backbone of this. Reentry volunteers give us extra time and help to be able to make it all work. And then there's the advisory board members. Now, these are people, like I said, who we need experts who are in various and and people who have influence in various different fields, whether it's different kinds of reentry services like education and housing and food and things like that, or whether it's in and among the system, people who are familiar with the board parole um, process, people who are have connections with the local judiciary um, committees and systems. You know, um, so th- those people within there, people who are who are a part of churches and have influential uh, connections within their churches to say, hey, our church wants to proudly be a part uh, and and help be catalyst for the freedom initiative locally. You know, uh, so we need people from all different areas. Sometimes people within um, uh, part uh, different other prison ministries. Um, that we partner with. So, you know, people like Kairos, people like Prison Fellowship and things like that to to partner with them on these things. And so having that advisory board that come together and their job is going to be to raise prayer for, to to and people to pray with and for their city with um with prisoners. 
And then also to create, help, work along with Paul and I. So we meet with these local boards every week. It's really kind of fun sitting there and creating this, this strategy moving forward every week. Um, and we um, talk about how we can build these resources together and how we can build the partnerships and recruit more team members. And then additionally, um, how we can be able to raise the funds in order to be able to do that. Because, you know, obviously there, these services require money. Um, if we uh, will have staff locally that will help work full time with the Freedom Initiative. And so they will need to have support for that. There's just expenses in general. So they, they help with funding those things too. And so that's uh, so an advisory board member is a very key member in all of this. Um, and then lastly is our prayer partners and anybody can be a prayer partner. And so you, you if you want to be a part of that, just just uh, contact us at team at contagious disciple and we can get you connected with praying with prisoners and how that pro process works. Um, but just to let you also know, like how we, uh, you know, Paul and I and our core freedom initiative team here at CDM really works in this, you know, we are integrally involved at every level. We are, you know, helping to create the strategy and move the team forward in the um, all the advisory board meetings. We're also um, training and coaching all, uh, you know, the mentors and raising up other people who could do so too. We're we're helping to mobilize prayer and to be able to have that process. We have a core team that helps communicate and, you know, are coordinating these prayers that are going back and forth and all the technologies of that. Uh, we're producing resources in order to be able to do all this. So this is a very all hands on deck to be able to make this particular process work. So that's our team. That's the CDM team in all that. But then we can also have partners in all of this uh, together. So, so in other words, we the whole point of our team is to get the partners to work together as well. So these are our various churches, as we said, reentry services, um, other kinds of ministries, um, even I'm just going to say ones that that reach families of those who are incarcerated. So this is actually something really cool lately. We've been adding along to this process is, hey, if we're trying to reach these entire communities. Not only should we be trying to reach the, the prisoners, but also the families as well. We can do that by helping to reach inner city schools and also through foster care as well, helping to have Christians who are fostering um, various different children from these particular communities and be able to work that process too. So we're, which is kind of like a crossover for our next gen project. You should look into that. But, uh, but yeah, so we're looking at it from all the different angles to be able to affect these communities together. And of course, uh, our donors are at the heart of all this. And if you would like to be a donor for this particular project, we are definitely uh, in need of it. And we definitely would love your your uh, support in that. If you go onto our website, ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com and click the donate, donate button, your monthly support is really going to make this happen. And also you can do it on our app. There's a donation uh, button on our app too. Can set up a monthly cost. You know, obviously any gift is helpful, but it's the monthly partners that allows us to be able to plan and say, okay, this is the staff we can have. 
this is the this is the ongoing operational needs we can actually afford and um these are the services that we can ongoing provide for different people because again our our hope is not just to help an occasional prisoner that comes out our hope is to be able to create a system in which we have a lot of people that are coming out that on an ongoing basis that will be able to to help with all these things and so um it definitely uh, is a needed part of all this process. But, you know, guys, this is more than just a theory for us. We've been walking along this this road. There are there are faces to all of the things that we're talking about. People, um, you know, like Adrian and Greg, you know, and and others like them who we've, we've been helping uh, through through this ministry that we considered our our dear friends. And um, we know that the Lord ha- has not only you know are they believers but they're they're powerful disciple makers for the kingdom and um and redeeming people is what god is all about giving us the ability to serve him you know as through his forgiveness is just what he's called us to be he's not called us to just basic barely get to heaven and sit on a back pew he's called us to 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 take up our cross and to follow him and to to change the world. And so uh, it's just such a privilege to be working alongside people who uh who are incars- who have been incarcerated and who and who are incarcerated. Yeah. You know, there's over 10 million people in the United States who are impacted by incarceration. That includes those that are incarcerated and that includes their families. Now, it doesn't include like, you know, anyone that's been a victim of a crime. It doesn't include the children uh, in terms of generational incarceration and things in the generations that are impacted by crime and incarceration. So that number is a lot bigger, but 10 million people. And, and let's just say we reach 2 million of them, just like we did in India, right? What a difference that would make on communities, on families on crime rates inside of areas that would make a massive difference you see uh, you know rebecca and i are from a generation that is known for raising awareness of problems we like to point the social media at it and say look there's a problem but there are a few people out there that actually raise their hand and say i'm gonna go fix it and for rebecca and i as we look at increasing crime in the united states we're like wait a second Jesus is the solution and the body of Christ can create the services that are necessary to help restore someone. That is huge. So let's stop raising awareness and let's start making a difference. And that's where the Freedom Initiative comes in. And that's how you, what you can start doing. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You've seen something on Facebook. You're like, man, I really wish I could do more than just share a post about this. Well, you can, you can, you can join us and we can begin working together to actually see God's kingdom come and his will done right here in the United States among some of the hardest to reach peoples as it is in heaven. You know, and I would think one more thing, Paul, on that is that imagine what this is going to do for the body of Christ that current, that is right now on the outside, because I believe that the more that we work with these you know, Jesus told us, it's like, who are those who love me the most? Well, the one that is that has been forgiven most. And I believe that they are going to put us to shame <laughs> with 
their 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 love and the difference that they make in their communities and that by working alongside them the body of Christ will be revived in an area and will be joining along with them to change their the, the other parts of our communities and the other parts of our our cities together and it it'll it'll be something that affects the entire city now and not just these particular communities well, I can I can reflect on that. When I talk to the guys that we have that are working on the inside and having been on the inside myself too, working with the guys, every single one of them is moved by the conversations that they've had. And and for the believers that are on the inside, the depth of love they have for Christ is incredible and humbling. And uh, I've seen many men move to tears, believers on the outside, recalling a story that a brother of theirs on the inside shared with them that opened their eyes up to God and his love and his mercy and forgiveness in a way they hadn't considered. And imagine this, guys. You know, we sit there and you go into a prison at some point in time during the week. You're actually discipling a guy who's coming back and telling you of Bible studies he's started and the realizations people are having about Jesus and the transformation that they're they're experiencing in their lives. And when you go into church on Sunday and you sing how great thou art, the words have a different meaning. The scope and the breadth of his love and kindness has a new understanding because you're now seeing it and experiencing it through the eyes of another brother. And that's why God created the body of Christ in the first place. It was in sharing with one another, we could understand more of him and it would change our worship. And to your point right there, Paul, I just want everyone to realize this is not a fringe ministry that only a couple people do that go into the prison. No. Because this is a comprehensive process, we, you know, whether you want to help with with ministering to a school or through foster care or being a prayer partner or um, trying to help with food and clothing and all those different types of things. You know, it, there's so many different areas and spaces that can help create, be, a, be a help to this mission, to be a, an integral part of this mission, that this is now something that a church and a and an overall body of Christ can say, this is one of our flagship projects, our flagship ministries is the Freedom Initiative because of how it's holistically you know, reaching these needy communities in and around us. And we're multiplying churches in these particular and planting churches through new people are coming to know Jesus inside of these communities. We didn't have to plant, go send our people in there. No, they are coming to know Jesus and they're starting their own churches in and amongst them and we're helping them do it. I mean, this is going to be something that everybody has a place Everybody can be able to be a part of it, and we can all experience the transformation of these communities. And we are, and then that brings a unity amongst the, our peoples again, where we have become outlandish to each other. We're now becoming brothers and sisters together in our communities, and that's going to bring so much change. And so, guys, if you're interested in being a part, like I said, first off, please donate to us, go onto our app on our website, contagiousdisciplemaking.com, 
click donate so you can do that to be a prayer partner. Go, uh, go ahead and email us team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. We can get you connected with, with the praying process. And number three, if you want to join if you our team and be able to help partner with us and be a mentor or a reentry volunteer or, hey, I want to get this started where I am. And just, again, email us team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com and we can get you in on the team. All right. I think that's a wrap. So thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Like, share, rate, review to share this love, to spread the love with others, to let them know what's going on. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers just like you, just like you, transform their communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And like we said before already, for those of you that give at least $5 a month, you'll have access to our entire library of content as well as premium content going forward. So this is Paul Watson challenging you that until next time, go and make disciples. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.